Good morning. And it is a joy and a privilege to be with you today. Thank you for allowing me to stand in front of you and preach this morning and then also spend time with your search committee and helping them look at candidates that can serve your church well. So thank you for allowing me into this, what we call a sacred space in the life of a church to help come alongside of you to find the best person to serve in this capacity. So on behalf of a 40-person team in Houston, Texas called Vanderblumen, uh, we just really thank you for your partnership and your trust in us. And uh, we've been doing this a, a number of years and have seen God work in some amazing ways. So thank you for your trust in that process. I'm excited to be with you today because I was with you two months ago and launched this whole thing, spending a weekend with you. And um, at that time, uh, the scenario was a little bit different than what we face today. At that time, I was meeting with staff and Pastor Matt and uh, other people of the church to get the parameters of the position. We talked about a succession plan where there would be this nice, neat, little prayerful handoff and the passing of the baton from one pastor to the next, that there would be overlap and some weeks there to make that happen. But as you know, things change. And God has moved people and done things in our lives in a different way than what we expected. And I have found in all my years, that's often the way that God operates. And so you've walked through and navigated these days of a, of a pastor resigning and moving into the new season of life for him. And then there's been this void, this, these weeks of waiting and anticipating what God would have next. And I want to commend so many of you uh, your staff, all of you that I see in the trenches of the hallways and on the floors with the kids and serving the coffee and in the parking area and just all of you, thank you for holding the rope and seeing this through and standing in the gap until we find that next lead role, that next voice and visionary uh, for friendship. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for continuing momentum and just a divine movement of God at friendship and preparation for what he has next. Because I want to tell you, you're moving into a new season. It's a new day, almost a, a new beginning, a new opportunity for this church to really absolutely make a difference in this area for the kingdom. So thank you for all that you have done and are doing in anticipation of what God's about to do in our midst. My wife Jennifer normally travels with me on weekends when possible, uh, but she is anticipating some neck surgery in the days ahead, and there's just some of those days where you get up and go, mm, this isn't happening today. So uh, yesterday was one of those, and so I shifted my flight to later in the evening to be able to come, but she regrets not being able to be here uh, with you today and uh, throughout this day. But uh, she really is my helpmate, my soulmate. I couldn't do what I do without her prayer and support. Uh, I spend my life traveling a lot of miles and uh, being with a lot of people and a lot of churches. And uh, she is right there. Um, when not physically present, I feel her spirit. When present, she is my great encouragement. So she regrets not being able to be here. I got to be transparent with you and uh, part of just being vulnerable, is I left town yesterday in kind of a scramble from Houston, Texas, where we live. And uh, I was a pastor for 22 years, and never once did I ever, ever forget my Bible going to church. 
But uh, that's happened this weekend. So my good preaching, leather-bound Bible's at home. But I got my computer, and thank God for apps and phones, so we've got the Bible here. So I want to encourage you to take out your copy of God's Word, whatever that looks like today, whether it's on the screen when we work through the message or on your phone screen, or even with your hard copy of God's Word. Something about holding the Word. I love it. And I don't have it with me today, so just pray me through this message without my my preaching Bible. But uh, we want to talk today about walking through the right door, walking through the right door. We're going to spend a few moments diving into God's Word, and the base passage we want to use today is Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It's kind of the focal passage that we're going to build off of to develop this message. So walking through the right door. Here's the verse in Revelation 3. It says this, What he, who is he? What God opens, no one can shut. And what he, being God, shuts, no one can open. This is kind of scary, but look at the next statement. He says, I know your deeds. That's a huge statement in the middle of that verse. He goes, I know what you've done, what you've said, where you've been, and who you've been with. But see, I have placed before you, even in spite of all that, God says, I've placed before you a door that no one can shut. Now, if you were prepping a message off of this verse right here, do you see some pointers? God's word has a way of doing that. What God opens, no one can shut. Some of us have have gone so far outside of the will of God for our lives that we think it has negated his original plan for us. And we think there's no hope for us, no chance for us at all. But that's not the way that God operates. God says, I see you. I know where you've gone. I know where you are. And I want to bring you back to where I need you to be. And so God says, when I open a door, no one can shut that for you. It's your door, my will for your life. Then notice here also, it says that what he shuts, no one can open. Aren't you glad God has shut some doors in your life? Anybody? Anybody this morning? Come on now. I thank God daily for some of the doors that he's shut in my life. Some of those things that I couldn't shut in my own power. I try to will it away or work it away and maneuver it away in some way. And it's God who had to come in and intervene and shut that door and go, that is not my way for you. To make it clear, how many of you play golf? okay. Raise your hand if you play golf. How many of you try to play golf? All right. Everybody, right? All right. I try to play golf. I play golf in the hazards, in the traps, in the sand, in the the, the long grass. I love to see all of God's creation when I play golf. I made it. You know, this beautiful course, might as well see all of it. Okay. Some people play in the fairway, which is not a challenge at all. It, It seems to take the joy out of the game. All right. They play in the fairway. There's guys on TV that make millions of dollars because they can hit it down the fairway. But you know what? Those guys that get paid a ton of money to do it, I want you to notice every once in a while, they mess up too. And they shank it to the right or hook it to the left. And they put it in the rough or in the hazard or in the trap. But you know what the key to their success is? It's this. They know how to recover. They know how to recover. So it may be in the trap, it may be in the hazard, but then all of a sudden they hit it out of the trap and they put it in the hole. (laughs) 
I want you to realize that God wants us to live in the lane of what he has for us. He wants us to move out of the hazard, out of the rough, out of the, 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 the difficulty that we're in, in an alignment with his will and purpose for our lives. He wants to get us in the fairway and out of the hazard. And what he shuts, thank God, no man can open. There's also that phrase right there in the middle that's kind of scary. You know, it's in the perfect middle of the verse. I know your deeds. Oh, man. You're not hiding from God. <laughs> he knows everything about you. Where you've been, what you've said, what you have done. It's not like God to just go blind when we stray off. He knows. And even though he knows every detail about our lives, the mess-ups, the places we've walked away, he is still very much interested and involved in our lives. He goes, I know your deeds, and I still place before you another opportunity. It's another door that no one will shut. So this morning, let's talk about finding the right door. Finding the door. Finding God's will for the church and for your life. Now, in a doorway, there are frames. So we want to kind of frame God's doorway so that you can identify it. And once it's framed up and you see the door, then you'll be able to walk through it. So a couple of frames. Here, here's one frame in the doorway of God's will. One frame is this. It's God's moral will. His moral will. And his moral will is what God has already said in his word. It's amazing how abundantly clear the word of God is when it comes to the questions of life or the difficulties of life or the direction of life. You don't need to make course corrections in your life until you come back to, I want to get into God's word and I want to know what God's word has to say. So there's not only God's moral will, which is found in his word, but I want to spend more time talking about God's sovereign will God's sovereign will is what God is doing on the earth. His sovereign will is what God is going to do with or without you. It, it's, it's his plan. It's his agenda. And, and many think that, that God is just some heavenly Santa Claus that's up there waiting to bestow us with gifts and to bless our life and to give us all of our requests. He's like, like a heavenly Siri or a heavenly Alexa. You know, hey, Siri, hey, God. Give me this. Look up this. What about this? It's completely backwards. Instead of sitting and thinking that God is there for our benefit and for our plan, it's about God blessing his plan in our life. And it's about us figuring out what God is doing. And then saying, God, just let me be a part of that. God, just give me a glimpse. Let me experience what you are up to. Now, here's a key statement I want you to try to remember. It is the more, that I, the more that I get to know the moral will of God, which I find in his word, and I, I understand the sovereign will of God, which is what he's doing in the world, the more I'll be able to find God's will for my life. I see what he's doing in the word, what he's doing on earth. You'll find this doorway, this framed up, beautiful entrance into the plan of God for your life. And by the way, it's not for your benefit. It's for his. And when you get there, life begins to make sense. God gets you there and it becomes more enjoyable and fulfilling. 
And it's kind of the will of God in two ways. The will of God for the church, and I get to see the big C church, like the church universal, what God's doing in the world and the work that I do. And then there's the local church and what God is doing there. And then we can break it down all the way to what God's doing in your life and in mine. So the church, macro, and then specific individual plans for each and every person, very micro level. So the collective vision of the church, and then the specific plan for you and for me. So what is God's will for Brian? What's God's will for me? And what's God's will for the church? What would it look like if 350, maybe four, however many you have on the weekends, what would it look like if all of us got on the same page figured out the framework of what God is doing and identified the door that he wanted us to walk through. And we did that. Imagine, imagine what could happen. Can you picture the the ministry and the momentum that could be done for the glory of God if we were able to synergize and get on that that same page and walk through that together? It's a beautiful thought. It's it's a wonderful thing to think about. I would, we would see this area totally affected by the gospel. And, and the world would start to change. If just this church, even a few in this church, even if one person would become totally committed to the door that God has in their life. So you're moving into a new era. No doubt about it. It's not the way any of us expected, but God works in mysterious ways. My thought was, man, you know, we'll bring someone in and Matt and this person will walk side by side for four weeks, six weeks. It'll be this beautiful handoff, this beautiful celebration. Matt made some very important decisions for his life, for his well-being, for his place in ministry after almost 20 years of working so faithfully in the life of this church. Man, we love him. Pray for him. It's understandable. So it's either walk alongside and pass the baton or the second scenario is create a little bit of separation. It looks like God's chosen to create a little bit of separation there so that we can anticipate and expect what is next and get prayed up and excited about what's next. But you're definitely in a time of transition. And uh, I'm convinced more and more that we need a genuine, just fresh move of God in our lives more than ever before. And I think it's time to seek God and humble ourselves and pray and focus on what's next. And I believe by God's power, real things will start to happen. Instead of waiting for what's next, Maybe you can go ahead and get started on focusing on someone around you, that one person that is lost, down, hurting, broken, needing help. God's probably already put them on your mind. That person. And begin to do what God would want you to do in their life, which is to love on them, give them a word, to pray for them, That's really God's agenda is reaching the world 
to bring them into relationship with him. It's really his agenda. And when you begin to get a part of what God is doing, that's where you find the blessing and the favor. So in the in-between time, when, as you're waiting for the voice, waiting for your next pastor, get busy doing what God has asked you to do every day. We, we keep wanting to, wanting to live life over here and ask God to bless this and then move over here and ask God to be a part of this what we need to be doing is what Jesus was doing. And in that spot, there is blessing and there is favor. Let me give you some steps here. Um, steps for walking through that door. And probably more points than you're used to on a Sunday, but we'll walk through those four steps. And there are four, and it, 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 it happens this way. And all through history, with everyone that God's dealt with, they have to take these steps and perhaps you are stuck at one of these steps and need to take the next step. Maybe somewhere you have stagnated or just kind of gone flat and you recognize that. And this will help you take that next step in the right direction. So let's talk about walking through. Now, Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. Uh, we'll go there for just a second. Uh, Paul is writing. Paul is an apostle. So Paul is um, a church planter. Uh, he goes and establishes a work, raises up a church, and then he moves on to the next scenario. There are apostles, pastors, teachers, preach, that kind of thing. He's an apostle, a, a, a church planner. And he's been there for two years, and uh, he's ready to leave. He's given his farewell speech, and uh, in that speech, hold on just a second. I'm losing my microphone here. Gives us four steps. Now, I want to see if you can identify those steps in the passage. Here it is. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. What do you see as the first point there? If you were designing this message, what would it be? The prompting or the compelling of the Spirit. The prompting of the Spirit. The first part of that verse. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. I, uh, I, with what I do, I, I, travel, I travel a bunch, probably way too much. Um, usually Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, and then a lot of weekends, um, I'm on the road. And some people are like, man, that's awesome that you get to travel and you see cities and places and great restaurants and all that good stuff. And I want to tell you, man, I see airport terminals, hotel lobbies, good, great hotel food. It's wonderful. Um, it's good stuff. And, uh, and, a, and a lot of, uh, I, I do get to be in a lot of great churches, though. And I get to meet some tremendous people. And that interaction with church and people is what I feed off of. And so I'm willing to put in the hard work of getting there to be able to experience that. But it's no fun journey. If you've ever flown or traveled for work or just flown a lot, man, in, in those hotels and those rental cars and in those, those airplanes and in those jetways, there are some funky smells. Man, I, you know, sometimes I just want to wear some nose plugs or something because I, I got a pretty big nose. I can, I can smell things. And, man, I, there's some funky smells. There's funny people. It's just a, 
it's a, it's a weird world of travel. But I tell you, there is nothing like walking up that jetway in whatever airport I'm in and smelling and sensing, you guessed it, Cinnabon. <laughs> Amen, right? Cinnabon. Those big old cinnamon rolls with icing and butter and cinnamon all warmed up and you can smell it a, a mile away. You can sense it. You know it. It's there. It is God's gift to mankind. And we should partake in that because only God could design something so, so good for us, right? I can smell Starbucks a mile away. I don't even have to see the green dot. I just know it. I know it's there. I, I know which direction Annie Ann's is because I can smell the pretzels. I can, it's compelling me to go and get a pretzel. Thank God for Chick-fil-A and airport terminals. Can I get an amen on that? Chick-fil-A, the gospel bird. And I, you know, I can, I can see those a mile away too. It's, there's something draws me to that. And it's a funny comparison, but the truth is when God's spirit gets a hold of you, there is a drawing or a compelling, even though you may not see it, you just know it's there. You can, you can smell it. You can catch a whiff of it. You know it's God's direction in your life. And you say, Pastor, I, I'm not, I'm not sensing that at all. I, I'm not sensing God's spirit or his moving in my life. In any way, and I would say, well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, if you're not sensing the Spirit of God or hearing His direction in your life, it's perhaps that you have become, you're not connected. Maybe you've just gone through the routine. Maybe you've done the weekend experience thing, and you're just kind of doing the religion thing, and you've never really connected to God. You're not spiritually born. Because the Bible tells you you're spiritually born and God's spirit is in you. There is communication and, and, and there's conversation. There's interaction there. If you're not sensing that, you may need to look at that. I may have hit somebody hard this morning. Or maybe you're spiritually born. God's in your life. You've just gotten flat. Right? And you need it to, for God's power and his presence to be infused in your life. That word compel, it, it literally means to be bound and drug along. <laughs> so when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, it, it, it almost binds you and pulls you in the direction that you need to be going. What is it that compels you? What is it that stirs you? What is that smell, that fragrance, that, that inspiration, that direction in your life? In Job chapter 32, in the Old Testament, Job says, I'm full of words and the spirit within me compels me. He said, inside I'm like bottled up wine, like new wine skin ready to burst. So I brought with me today what many would call the nectar of the gods, all right? Um, I'm a Texas boy, born and raised, central Texas. Uh, went to school in Waco, Texas, Sickle Bears, Baylor University. So we're all good Baptist kids go in Texas as to Baylor, um, I continued my seminary education right up the road in Fort Worth at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, so I've been this Texas boy my whole ministry. And Dr. Pepper began in Waco, Texas. I don't know if you know that or not. But uh, here is a cold, refreshing can of Dr. Pepper. Unopened, but if I were to open it right here, what noise would it make? Anybody want to help me? Very good, man. Y'all are better. That early service, they were... They were kind of asleep, but um, y'all are, are into it. They'll go, psh, all right? 
And, and to be upfront with you, some of you, every once in a while, spiritually, give a little, maybe, maybe it's just a, uh, we go to church on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, man, God kind of lay off on that, you know? God, I'll give you a little time in prayer because I'm in desperate need in this situation. My health's not going well. My, my son or daughter's struggling. Work's not doing too well. I need you, God. Every once in a while. But what would happen, just out of curiosity, if we began to do this with this little 12-ounce can of Dr. Pepper? If I warmed it up and I shook it real good and I made my way over this way, because he's looking at me like, don't you, do, don't you dare come over here. And what if I shook this up and, and are y'all willing to be martyrs for the cause of Christ this morning, right? As an example to the rest of the body, you could influence hundreds of people this morning. How many of you think I'm mature and old enough not to do this? How many of you think I'm immature enough to do this? I feel really, man, y'all make me feel bad. Look at all those hands. Yeah, I, I did it over here this morning and young, one young man, I don't know his name, the reaction normally is, no, I don't want that. He's sitting there going, bring it on, bring it on. And then afterwards he comes up, he goes, my mama doesn't let me drink those, so pour it on me. <laughs> but if I were to open it right now, your reaction would be, no. But when God begins to unleash his power in his presence, as scary as that may be, our reaction needs to be, bring it on, I haven't, haven't drunk that very much. I haven't had enough of that. Let it pour on me. I want to receive it. Whatever it is, God, bring it on. So the problem is most of us have not been stirred in a long time. So I just want to encourage you to get in church and, and uh, get stirred, start catching a stirring and a compelling of what God is doing. Here's the second point. You're going, I know, move along, right? So the first one is the prompting of the Spirit. Here's the second part. It is certain uncertainty. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Certain uncertainty. I promise you when you go into this step, there will be uncertainty. When you take this step, there will be very little information. That's encouraging, isn't it? Aren't you glad you were here in church today to hear that? That when you take the step of faith, there will be very little information. Now, some of you who are not comfortable with very little information that have to have every detail and everything lined up and all the questions answered and all the T's crossed and I's dotted and all that in place before you will move, you're not going to be comfortable moving through the doorway of God in your life. I'm just telling you. God never throughout history with anyone he's ever worked with, read the Bible, has ever given all of the information up front. Never. But if you'll start to get a little comfortable with what God will allow you to smell and see and feel, and hear, and begin to move forward, despite not having all the answers, you'll begin to see more clearly the doorway of God for your life. So um, why would God do that? Because if God told you everything, you would circumvent that, right? I know I would. I would take the end around, and I would go to where he was leading and miss all the steps in between. But you know why God takes us through that process? It's a process. It's because God along the way wants to train us and equip us and encourage us from when we reach that point. And if we knew everything, we would take the credit for it. <laughs> I know I would. We'd be like, here I am. I got it, God. It's all good. I'll take it from here. 
It's good. Thank you. So he knows not to give us all the information. But he shows us a glimpse a little bit at a time. I want you to notice 1 Corinthians 16, verse 5 through 9. It's a little bit long of a verse, but I want you to notice throughout the terms of what I call terms of uncertainty. Terms of uncertainty. Uh, After I go through Macedonia, Paul says, I will come to you, for I'll be going through Macedonia. Notice the terms of uncertainty. Perhaps, you might want to underline that, I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Notice this, because a great door Stirring, something framed out in front of me, is opening for effective work, and there are many who oppose me. I love 2 Corinthians 5.7. It says, for we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Some of us need to take a step of faith. Some of us need to take that step. And we've been hesitant long enough. The church needs you. Needs you now more than ever. Now, this church will continue. It will function with or without you. But think of how much better it will be with you. So stop hesitating and take that step. There will be uncertainty, but that's faith. It's the way that God operates every time. They're exciting days ahead. They really are. I can sense the anticipation even today. Something all over this place of what God is doing and preparing in the life of friendship. And uh, I want you to be a part of that. Here's the third thing. So there's the, this prompting, this, this compelling. There's certainly uncertainty when that happens. Take the step of faith. Here's the third thing there will be probably a lot of resistance. Because when believers start to take those steps, when God begins to move people in the direction he would have them go, guess what? All hell begins to break loose. The devil is not excited about that at all and will do everything that he can to stop that movement of God. Even Paul said it in verse 23. I only know that in every city, Every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul said, I didn't include the snake bites and the shipwrecks and the beatings and all of that, but there's prison and there's hardships. There is resistance. And you can anticipate the same thing in your life. When you get serious about what God is doing and choose to take that step of faith, there will be resistance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul says, for we wanted to come to you. Paul said, certainly I did. I, I wanted to again and again. But Satan stopped us. Satan stopped us. See, some of us interpret the resistance that we're facing, the, the, some of the trial that we're facing, the testing of our faith that we're facing. We interpret that as, oh my gosh, I've messed up. Oh my gosh, God doesn't love me. 
or I'm not getting this right. When in essence, that testing, that resistance, that trial may be that you're on track. Good job. You're doing the right thing. Because when you are, all evil forces will pay attention to that and will want to defeat it. That word stopped is interesting. It, it, it doesn't mean that, that Satan physically restrained them from going. It, it, the word literally means cut a ditch in the road, to cut a ditch. So when you face a ditch, you got a couple of options. You take another route, not with God's way. With God's way, you step over it. You take that leap of faith. You move through it. When you face that ditch that the enemy has put up in front of you, you don't go the other way. You go over it in Jesus' name. Amen? You move forward. You take that leap of faith. So I'm preparing you for what's ahead because the Holy Spirit's going to prompt this church to call a pastor. He will preach with clarity and conviction. He will cast vision. There will be meaningful change. There will be direction given. You will find all of that, but then there will be uncertainty because it's a new day, new opportunity. We don't have all the answers. We've got direction. And as you move forward, I promise you, there'll be resistance. And you need to be prayed up. Face the ditch that is in front of you. Don't try to circumvent it or go around it or detour and take another course. Jump over it, leap up, walk over it in Jesus' name and move forward. Follow the call of God upon your church and in your life. We need to identify those ditches. It's imperative because too, too many of us have been, been, been taking the other course and circumventing in life and, and pulling the end around rather than in the power in the name of Christ, stepping over the adversity, moving through the trial, facing the hardship, and seeing what God has on the other side. Here's the last point. Steadfast determination. I almost just kept it simple and used the word focus, just the word focus, but steadfast determination, Act 2024. 20, However, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I don't know about you, but at this point in my life and in this season and this age, I want to be more faithful and determined and steadfast and focused more than I ever have before. And I'm praying the same for you, that you would determine in your heart today to be steadfast and faithful and focused more than ever before. All of these steps, man, when you to discover that framework of God that he has around his doorway. All of these steps of walking through the door of God, I, trying to stir inside of you what is ahead for you as a church so that you're able to move forward with clarity and conviction. Maybe get rid of some of the distractions. I don't know about you, but this for me right here can be a huge distraction. I don't, I don't know how many times they estimate we 
turn the phone on and check messages and look at all that. But I mean, a lot of my life is here. You talk about my calendar, my boarding passes, my Starbucks card and my Annie Ann's card and my Cinnabon card. No, I'm kidding. Um, but so much, there are so many doors, or I would call windows, windows to the world, windows to what everybody else is doing, windows to everybody's best moment on Instagram, but yours. Everybody's picked of the best of them that's been edited and refined, the best one picked out. And there's so many doors. We get so distracted. When God's designed a door for you and for me and for the church that is already framed up, it follows his word, it's revealed in the world, and we're to find it and walk through it. Imagine if we as a people and as a church were able to remove all the, a lot of the distractions and focus on that framed up divine doorway of God. Imagine what could be done. It is powerful to think about. And here's the last statement I want to give you before we close out. And it's this. When vision increases, when we catch a glimpse of what God is doing in his word and in the world, when that increases, what does it say next? The options decrease. It's kind of ironic, and it? it's kind of a, a twist on things, kind of backwards. But when you cast vision of what God's doing, your focus narrows. And all the options of the world, all of its ways, they begin to fade. When you start to remove those distractions and focus on that, it will make it easier to walk through the right door. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm loving seeing what God is doing in the life of this people group right here in Lugoff, South Carolina, and the door of opportunity that he's opening for you and your willingness to walk through it. I want to ask you to close your eyes, if you would, just for just a moment, if you would be still and allow the Lord to do something perhaps in and through you today. Would you just pause for a moment and think about these steps and kind of where you are in the journey? Maybe you, you're not sensing the stirring, the, the fragrance, that compelling of the Spirit. May God help you discover where you are in relationship to him. Are, are you spiritually born? Are you connected to God? Do you have relationship with him? If not, there's an answer. Jesus is the connection. He's the, the key. God sent his son so that you could be connected. And so he could take care of your problem of disconnection, which is your sin. And by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, that sin problem, that debt that you owe has been paid in full. It's done. And all you have to do is surrender your life. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And it's really simple. Some of you, have, that's landed pretty hard on your heart this morning. You realize today that you've been counting on family tradition and church attendance and religious activity and weekend experience and all of that to get you through. Today you realize, you know what? I've just never connected personally. If you're ready to 
to take that leap of faith, ready to connect, you can pray something like this. But God knows your heart. It's not about your words. It's about what's going on in your heart. But it's God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin. I receive him into my life. Just say, I I give you my life. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me purpose. Thank you for divine connection. If you prayed that prayer or thought that thought or just the Bible says if you believed it in your heart and just confessed it with your mouth that you were saved. You're saved. New life has begun. Maybe today you'd say, Brian, you know, I, I'm connected. I know God. I feel his spirit. But I've been flat, flatlined. I've, I've not operated in faith. I've been letting the uncertainties and the ditches get the best of me. And I've, I've detoured. I've made course corrections on my own. I've found myself in the hazard and in the trap and in the rough. And I'm just ready to get back in alignment with what God has for my life take that step today too. It's a step of uncertainty because you won't know all the what, when, why, where, how. But God's calling you into that place. And today you can surrender. You can say, God, I I take that step of faith into into that compelling direction that you've given my life. I do so with faith amidst the uncertainty. Some of you today are dealing with some hardships and trials and persecution, the testing of your faith. Maybe family issues, could be health issues, could be church issues, who knows. For the longest time, you've been saying, oh my goodness, I'm not in alignment. God's punishing me. This is all happening because I've not been good or I haven't done right. Maybe it's because God has you headed in the right direction and there's just resistance there. You can pray today, God, just in the name of Jesus, I push through. In the name of Jesus, I stay on course. In Jesus' name, I take that leap of faith over that ditch. No more detours. But I press on. I press on to the prize that's there for me. Focus and determination. Maybe some of you are there. Maybe you're spiritually born. You've been compelled in your spirit to do something. You've taken that step of faith. And now God's saying to you, listen, hold strong. Stay focused. Be determined. I'm going to see you through. If you're there, say, God, thank you for where you've you've brought me. You know my deeds. And now you open a new door for me, another opportunity. Father, I pray for friendship. Thank you for our morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your door. May we find it. It's framed up. It's beautiful. And it's specifically designed for this body. Father, as you direct your new leader here, your new pastor, your visionary, give this church a faith and a courage that has been unseen in this area for all of time. God, move them in ways that we can only imagine and do something special. We ask it Believe it, we trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be singing here and finishing out our service with a couple of songs, and then as God just works in your life, continue to pray and seek his face and, and uh, 
Continue to, to, to humble yourself before him and allow him to work in your life as never before. Would you stand with me? Let's move into this time of prayer and singing, and then we'll close out our service.